Toronto's very first vapor lounge opened nearly 20 years ago, just as medical marijuana was being legalized in the early 2000s. For almost two decades, this has been a hangout for cannabis users, a tourist destination located right in the heart of Kensington Market. Every day at 11 a.m., a graffitied garage door goes up, exposing the entrance to the Hotbox Cafe. Today, funk music was the soundtrack as we walk through the door. The first half of this space is where lattes and herbal accessories are sold. The second half is the lounge area where you can curl up in a chair and vape away. This is a business that's always been operating in the gray area of the law. I'm City News reporter Shauna Hunt, and on the finale episode of the Legal Podcast, I'm going to introduce you to Abby Roach. I always say, you know, when I started, I was a 19-year-old disabled Jewish woman with dreads. Like, being a woman was like the least of my problem. She's a ganja groundbreaker and businesswoman extraordinaire. Also joining us is Richard Southern. So, Richie, did you invest? I did. You did? Yeah. And how'd that go for you? I don't need specifics. No, it went good. I mean, and I'm I'm almost (laughs) out of it. The easy money has been made now. It's over. I like to call him Richie because he's one of my good friends. He's been on the 680 News business beat for many years and is also a political journalist who's been following the money in the billion dollar industry of recreational weed. This week we take a look at the past, present and future of Canadian cannabis. Uh, so, Abby, when we booked this interview for, for the podcast, uh, Hotbox Cafe was this thriving vapor lounge. But just a few days ago, you had to make a very uh, tough decision. Yeah, absolutely. So in order to comply with uh, all regulations, we've uh, decided to only allow um, consumption of cannabis, either in edible form, because that's allowed, so you can bring your own edibles, <laughs> or you have to pop out on the street and uh, consume your medicine outside. Um, it's kind of being a big shock to our clientele, but, you know, they're getting over it. The hardest part for us has been, you know, dealing with our our cancer patients, the quadriplegics that come in here, the people who really need this place um, is not only a place to socialize, but also they need assistance medicating, and we offer that assistance to them. So that's been kind of heartbreaking for me, to be honest. To me, it's strange because growing up in Toronto, the hot box was this sort of like weird space where weed was legal somehow. I know it wasn't, but it was, you know, the cops didn't bother you. You could sit on the patio and smoke a joint. And it was this weird sort of bastion of legality it sort of looked like to me, right? And it's so strange that now that weed is actually legal, I can't smoke in the hot box anymore. Isn't that Isn't that crazy? Weird? It is insane. I know. <laughs> so this is something that we've been fighting for for years and years and years. And, you know, we've gone through a litany of, of uh, you know, motions that were passed for us, uh, you know, all kinds of regulatory um, uh, recommendations and a lot of lip service, really, that came down. Um, you know, we have our full support from the Kensington BIA, from our city councilor, from our MPP 14 division, 100% supports me. I'm actually getting a letter of recommendation from the community officer for my application. But now we have to comply with uh, the Smoke-Free Ontario Act, and it is what it is, right? And you were saying fines could be $2,000 if people are, yeah. are vaping in, in the cafe. Yeah, so it's $2,000 per customer Ooh. and $10,000 for the corporation. But there has been talk that there may be some rules down the road uh, regarding uh, smoking inside when it comes to cannabis or vaping inside, right? There's been talk of that, hasn't There's there? been talk. I don't think uh, smoking or vaping will ever be something that a politician will say yes. 
yes to. Yeah. So I think once edibles and oils come through, I think is when you'll see the regulations happen for uh, edible cafes. My personal opinion about that is someone who has served the cannabis community for almost two decades is I would much rather see you consume from a, a smokeless vaporizer and be able to know if you're going to react in a funny way or feel nauseous. Whereas with an edible, a lot of people don't understand edibles. It's not a common way to consume and people will either over consume or have a weird reaction. And uh, we have to wait a half hour essentially to see if you're going to puke. And you're talking about what, what went on right exactly uh, here at Hotbox Cafe. I mean, your staff are trained to watch people and know if they're in distress in any way. And, and your sign coming in, one thing I love, uh, one line I love on it, one of the rules here at the Hotbox Cafe was no sleeping. Yeah. So do you get that a lot? Like you actually had to write it on a chalkboard? We literally had to write it on the chalkboard because <laughs> right. people just fall asleep, right? They <laughs> they get tired. They burn out. They fall asleep. So, you know, I, I came to that realization about 15 years ago. It's like we it, like we cannot run this place and have people sleeping here. It just doesn't work. So we met Jill and just were like, hey, you want us to call you an Uber? One thing I need to know, because we never really touched on it, and I don't know your backstory. Take me back to the uh, early 2000s when you started oh this. God business. You, you guys were, are taking You're saying back. all the way back. You said all you were 19 back. years old. I was actually younger than that. Younger. Th so, how did this become your path and what did your parents think? I'll tell you the precursor story. So right. I have only held two real jobs my entire life, both of which um, I made my own uh, company out of. I worked when I was 13. I handed out flyers on Queen West to uh, for a store called Blue Moon. It was a vintage store. The girl inside taught me how to, uh, how to retail, how to merchandise. I would go in, I would hand in out, out flyers out front and then I would go in and fix the place up and uh, I saw a girl one day I was on my way to work and she was sitting at Queen and Soho by the Black Bull and she was selling jewelry and I was like I could do this. So I bought a bunch of beads and I went and I made myself a little 13-year-old kid and I made myself a little booth. And uh, and then I met a woman named Amy who made hemp jewelry. And I met um, Robin, who owns a friendly stranger. Yeah. And he was out there vending as well. He's a good so, guy. Yeah, excellent. So Robin taught me a lot about, you know, just about like uh, cannabis itself. And Amy taught me how to make hemp jewelry. So Robin would sell me the, the hemp and I would make hemp jewelry. So my first job was actually selling... Uh, hemp jewelry on the street on Queen West as a little teenager. I did that for years. And then I got kicked off the street because I didn't have a vendor permit. And I ended up at a Santana concert with all my jewelry. And I was with my friend Bear, who's actually uh, now a part of Tribe Called Red. Um, oh, if you know amazing. Them, Bear Witness. Yeah, yeah, we were just 16 at the time. And uh, we ended up at the Santana concert. And I was like, uh, we got pulled over the door. They saw this big native guy. So of course, they searched him. They took all our weed. I was like, damn it. Anyways, so we went in and I was like, well, we have no weed. We have no money. I got kicked off the street and you got searched. So I traded, um, I walked around and I traded my jewelry. Um, my shtick was that I, I would either sell you a necklace, trade it to you for, for weed or, you know, or you could give me something with a cool story. Savvy business savvy, from the start. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So I came back 20 minutes later. I had sold out of all my hemp jewelry. I had, um, you know, tons of weed, I had tons of money. I had like this weird turtle thing that I still have. It's my good luck turtle um, that I've had, you know, and uh, I did that. Anyways, I 
time went on, and I, I did that for many years. And then I did. Uh, I went to college. I did. I dropped out of art school. I took music management. I I managed a, a reggae band for a minute, um, and then I uh, I took a self employment course through the Jewish Vocational Services, and I graduated. And then uh, at the end of it, I was you know a little barely twenty year old kid, and the, I was eligible for a bank uh, a bank loan for self employed youth for up to seventy five hundred dollars. So all I knew was a business plan. I was like. Okay. So I wrote a business plan for Rotorama, which was going to be a, a, a cannabis lifestyle store. They had no idea what I was t- talking about even. I came I'm in. I'm so yeah. surprised that yeah. they, they gave you that. a That's license cool. for this that. Was two, this was 20 years ago. Nobody wow. even realized. They just didn't understand like, didn't what you were doing. what I was talking about, but they just saw this <laughs> little 19, 19 year system. Kid. Yeah. I remember going to the GST office and uh, the, I said to the man at the, at the thing that he helped me fill out my form and he said, well, what are you going to be selling? And I said, oh, uh, you know, bongs and pipes and like weed stuff and he was like okay glass art you will be selling glass art I was like fantastic this man created my career the security guard without him Amazing. I wouldn't have a GSD number wouldn't have a bin number wouldn't have anything right and uh, yeah we, I opened up with nothing um, and then in 2003 I had an opportunity to take over uh, the building that we were in we had moved from a small location to slightly bigger and uh, I had gone to Vancouver I went to a place called Blunt Brothers. I was like, this is pretty amazing. People can just bring their own and sit mm-hmm. down and smoke it. That's crazy. I, wh- why don't we have this? And then I went to Jamaica and I was like, what? Like People are just like smoking ganja everywhere. This is the best place on earth. And I came back and uh, we took over the building. I took out a, what did it, it was a $2,000 Ikea credit card and a $500 Home Depot card. And uh, I had a boyfriend that was very good at the time at building stuff. So I put him to work. And we, yeah, and we essentially built like the lounge for nothing. I think three grand or something was a blood, sweat, and an and, IKEA, and, and, IKEA, and yeah. IKEA credit cards, right? That's how we built out the lounge. And uh, the day before we opened, we just, by the grace of God, we just got lucky that there was a court decision that came through, uh, which essentially made the possession of cannabis for, for everyone in Ontario uh, legal, is what happened um, due to complications with medical marijuana and support. Supreme Court cases. Yeah. It's a all of, yeah. You remember that? Technicality, yeah, technicality. Yeah. So we we opened, and you know we were problem free until 2012. Essentially, really? yeah, until uh, so no one bugged you. The cops, did, did the cops, city. Did you ever strike a deal with the cops? Did they come in? Yeah, they come in Ooh, all the time. Yeah. yeah, but I don't have a deal with them. Right. I just like we just like each other. I I'm very active in Kensington. I'm very yeah. active in my community. I am uh, now going on my I think it's my third uh, term elected or fourth term of. Uh, the Kensington BIA, so I'm actually um, a, an elected official of the City of Toronto uh, on behalf of my community, right? Uh, I just, I run a good business, and I bring a lot of, uh, Kensington was a, a dying neighborhood when we opened, right? Um, you know, and I say that with uh, with the reality of what it was, right? This was an old market, and the, the, cons- the customers themselves were very, very old, and they were... I think if anyone you know, deserves yeah. to get a license to sell, it's got to be you. I would like uh, I would like that in writing, please. Yeah, <laughs> you know. So, so. <laughs> what, what, your dream is what you want to be able to to sell cannabis here and have people consume it. That's the dream, is it? That's the dream. The dream is essentially I would like to say Amsterdam, but actually California has overtaken Amsterdam now. So California, actually San Francisco, uh, mostly has regulations now. They grandfathered in existing lounges uh, when the regulations came in and. 
they created regulations for uh, dispensaries to actually have consumption rooms. So you can actually have the sale of cannabis and the consumption of cannabis in one area, which makes a lot of sense because a lot of people don't actually want to take their cannabis home and have it around their children. And the tourist factor and too, the tourist right? Factor. Tourist factor. You know, yeah, I was talking to a couple of tourists last night and I pointed them towards the dispensary and they, they were like, well, how do I buy it legally? I said, well, as a tourist, <laughs> you kind of can't because you don't it have could an take weeks. Well, you don't you have an address. address. Like, you don't have yeah. an address. Oh, like you true, can't get it, true. right? So they've, and so they've created a system where you can maybe consume in your hotel room, even though not one hotel has actually made it uh, possible for anyone to consume in their hotel room and he can't buy it anywhere so it's not very friendly and, and we had this news just come down recently in the province of Ontario where we are where they're only going to have 25 retail cannabis shops open in the spring instead of what was going to be an unlimited number mm-hmm. I mean that's not going to is that going to serve the, the, the need you think? Absolutely not 25% of Canadians consume cannabis on a regular basis a regular basis that's a lot of people um um, in you know in Ontario, how many people do we have here that we're bigger than most countries, right? So and it's a, a huge, vast piece of land. So for people to be to to be traveling, you know, across and, and trying to get to retail, it's not going to work. And then it's also going to discourage customers for from actually being a legal customer. They're just going to keep buying the way that they've been buying for the last 20, 30 years. Absolutely, here in Ontario or here in Toronto, there are a, a number of illegal dispensaries still running, and I think right now they're saying. Yeah, we're gonna stay in business. This is gonna be good for People us. People were showing me these mail order things. Oh, not yeah. uh, delivery, same day delivery. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. there's booming business. Yeah. The black market. It, the black is, market is thriving. Is it's, thriving. It's, it's, it's booming. People have been consuming cannabis for decades, well, centuries, but as long as people have been alive since they were teenagers, right? Uh, and they've been buying it illegally. So again, if we can't transition the illegal market into a legal market, you will never be able to transition the consumer into a legal consumer and that's the point of legalization do you consider cannabis legal in canada in every sense of the word technically it is technically it is legal but not, <laughs> but not really yeah. there's so many rules and regulations yeah. around it it's yeah. it, you it's know, legal if it's, you can find a way to get it and a place to do it exactly it, yeah. exactly right but you know you look at alcohol prohibition when that ended mm-hmm. the government controlled um the the sort of alcohol consumption spaces right it was impossible to get you were shamed at every turn of the way the you know when alcohol the, that was the purpose of of you know legalizing was if you bought alcohol you were shamed. Now I can walk up and down the street and you can buy a beer at almost every other door. That's a very good point. It is following a lot mm-hmm. of that same arc where mm-hmm. at first it was very difficult to acquire. You were shamed for doing it. Mm-hmm. And, and now it's, it's certainly a much more relaxed. I remember Elon Musk was on a, a podcast mm-hmm. recently drinking whiskey and he took one toke off of mm-hmm. a and the stock in Tesla dropped and people said he's consuming cannabis. Not a word about the whiskey he was And downing. it was legal. And it, and was, it legal, was legal, but not a word about California. all the whiskey, which is a much more dangerous drug out Absolutely, absolutely. And then it's funny, the news dropped, and then all of a sudden Ontario is considering uh, moving alcohol from the LCBO into, into corner stores. Into corner stores. Right. So now you've created a system where it's a lot easier for kids, you know, if we're going to sure. go that route to see alcohol and purchase alcohol, right? If you're, we're using the same uh, stigma and the same uh, mentality towards alcohol, then it 
right? And then you're you're saying that cannabis can't be sold in age gated stores with really hard to get licenses. That's ridiculous. I had a woman today. Uh, I made a comment on uh, a city councilor's uh, page, and this woman replied, and she's like, "Oh, oh, cannabis is toxic and bra." And I'm like, "Well, you go enjoy a, a glass of beer and a cup of sugar with that, you know? Yeah, right, right. <laughs> much more dangerous subject. Absolutely, absolutely. Far but do more. you think we have gone too far towards cannabis? I was looking at some products out there. Mm-hmm. There's cannabis everything, and there's a cure all yeah. for everything. Um, it, there's a lot of bro science, is what we like to call it. But I always say cannabis is going to be a lot like corn. So you know, right now the amount of actual corn kernel that we consume is really minimal, right? Like uh, how many times a week do you sit down with a corn on the cob and munch away? But you know, you you have corn syrup and everything. Yeah. So there's a lot of benefits. We have, um, a, you know, an intercannabinoid system within our bodies already. So the receptors already exist within our body, and that's why cannabis works so well. There's uh, cannabinoids in mother's milk, for example. So babies are digesting, uh, you know, cannabinoids as they're feeding from their mother's milk, right? Our bodies are created to work with this substance. So having that calming appeal or the pain management appeal. These are real things. It's not really bro science. We just have to really, now that it's legal, actually put the the financing behind figuring out how do these receptors work, right? So that's really, really important. And and I really believe that, you know, in, in about 10 to 15 years, you'll see cannabis in pretty much everything, you right? So. From from groceries, um, you know, wh- whether... And again, the advantage is... is- well, well, if you if you look at hemp seed, for example, hemp seed is rich in, in omega threes and in fibers. Right. There's a lot of health benefits okay. to to cannabis. Cannabis doesn't just get you high. People have to get that mentality. Exactly, right? and yeah. again, it goes back to stigma, right? So there's a lot of stigma that comes with prohibition, and that is really the hard part. This is why we're seeing a cannabis shortage. This is why we're seeing um, hardly any uh, stores. This is why we're seeing municipalities opting out. At the same time, we're only two months into legalization. Mm -hmm. Are we being a little tough on our country and how it's all rolled out? I mean, I think people really, I think the politicians really approached it with caution, right? Absolutely. Because they just, there's really no playbook. Um, And and of course, there's tons and tons of criticism, which is, which is, Mm -hmm. you know, expected. How else could you approach? You'd have to approach. Absolutely. And and it goes back to my point earlier, where 25% of Canadians consume cannabis on a regular basis, but then there's the, the other 75. Right. Yeah. who will probably never care about it, never look at it, never even think about it. So we, ha- as politicians, like for us, we have to understand that the politicians need to work for everybody. They don't just work for me. Okay, I want to ask you a question because you've been running this um, pot cafe for a long time and you sell food here, right? Mm-hmm. I've, been, I've been reading a lot of interesting things about what legalization uh, around the world uh, has done to the restaurant industry. Mm-hmm. And you'd initially think food sales are going to go up if I'm high. <laughs> that actually hasn't always been the case. Yeah. Do you think that, that legalization in Canada will have a positive or, or effect on the restaurant industry or no effect at all? Um, I, I look at Kensington Market, and since we opened, the amount of fast food restaurants <laughs> yeah. that have opened up the around Yannas here is are booming, right? Yeah, down, they're, yeah, they're booming, right? Yeah. So um, I think, you know, business is business, and if an entrepreneur sees an opportunity and knows how to seize it, they'll come in and seize it, right? We've seen brands. I did an interview recently yeah. with, uh, with uh, Hershey's, and one of their chocolate bars, they've labeled mm-hmm. the 425 bar. Yeah, yeah, the O'Henry bar. Yeah. Sure, there's no cannabis in it, but they're sort yeah. of trying to play to that they're group. Absolutely. They're just playing 
into the munchie yeah, crowd. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. You know, what we have seen, though, in areas that have legalized is alcohol sales have dropped. There's mm-hmm. been a certain... And tobacco. De- and yeah. tobacco. Yeah. So that, you could say, is a good thing, maybe. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, my friend Steve D'Angelo did an interview this morning with the New York Times about the Kronos deal where, where the, the makers of Marlboro came in. And, you know, he said it, and he was, you know, I love that man. He's so smart. Um, and he said, this is a good thing. We want to see, you know, big tobacco and big alcohol get into uh, get into cannabis and provide their consumers with a safer alternative. Well, listen, I've already interviewed um, province brands. They... Uh, um, oh, yeah. Th- yeah, so they're selling beer already, but they've mm-hmm. come up with, I guess, a cannabis. It's not infused. It's a cannabis brewed beer. Yeah. It's different than being infused. And mm-hmm. so you would consume it and you would slowly get buzzed mm-hmm. um, as you would with uh, with a beer. It's meant to take you through the night of yeah. watching a game or being at a bar. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, are those going to be on tap many, someday? If I have too many oh, yeah. those, it's the same problem as eating too many edibles. Uh, uh, exactly. And also right. it goes into people don't actually understand how our bodies react to cannabis, right? So the same receptors that take the THC and the CBD and all the different cannabinoids into your system, if there's uh, too much fat, for for example, in your um, in your in your um, edible, that's gonna that's gonna make your receptors freak out, right? Like there's it will it will bind too much of the cannabinoids into your receptors. And then your body will just go, oh my God, oh my God, there's too much, brah. And that's when we think we're overdosing, but we're not. It's just our receptors, there's too much binder, right? So again, there's a lot of research that needs to go into how to properly consume and manufacture edibles. Um, Again, with, with smoking or vaping, it is very controlled and your body will tell you instantly if it's too much with an edible or with a with a drink um again we have to understand everybody reacts differently and we have to understand how the different binders work as well it really is a fascinating science and i think um even a lot of people who have been smoking pot for i don't know decades they don't even uh, know the the full effects Absol- on the body. I, I didn't even so. know this stuff until I you took a, do, I took a, a course of, with yeah. my uh, good friend Doctor Ira Price, and he taught me all Tell this. Tell me about the like, first oh. first time you got high. Oh. Uh-huh. <laughs> it was 1991. Yeah, <laughs> was it 1991? Yeah, it was at a Black Crows concert Sweet. at G. Okay. Ross Lord Park. <laughs> yes, and I was I think 12 or 13 years old. I was in the front row, and I was wearing I remember this like frilly like <laughs> uh, Black Crows style uh, shirt. If any of you are old enough to remember who these people even art anyways and some old hippie turned around and was like hey man you want some of this it was so out of like a Cheech and Chong movie and I was like okay and I took one <laughs> puff and I was like meh that wasn't too bad and you know and it's funny because I grew up in the 90s I was a teenager in the 90s so the rave scene was really really right. big you know right and as a teenager like I'm not shy to say this I've tried every drug under the sun and I got it all out of my system in my teens and when I hit my 20s I was like yeah I'm pretty good right now and I haven't gone back since I'm now 40 and the other great thing about about the rave scene not to do with cannabis was that there was no alcohol Mm -hmm. so as a teenager I grew up not drinking alcohol. Alcohol was not cool. Now your last name you say is Roach. That yeah, really you need be the your truth last name. Ah, oh my god, are we gonna get it? We're Abby really Roach. digging deep now. Yes. Oh my god. So I'll tell you the full story. Okay. <laughs> so my real name is an Abby either. Oh. So yeah. Mm. Da, 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 da. But I, I won't tell you what it is. But I'll tell you oh, how cafe's I got there. Starting oh, getting ready for open. Yeah, music the music's is on. Going on. We're, we're kicking in. Um, so essentially, when I was a kid, I moved to Canada in. Um, 1989 and I have an Israeli name nobody could say my name and I um 
I, I my favorite album was Abbey Road by the Beatles. Oh, right, my mom right. had bought me the tape, and I didn't know how to speak English. So I was like, well, Abbey kind of sounds like my name. I'll go with Abbey. And I didn't know how to spell it, so I put it as A-B-I. Yeah. And then uh, later on when I opened, uh, it was uh, it was 2000, and there was no cell phones. So the only way to find someone was essentially to to go on the white pages. And I, my father, The olden days. The olden days. <laughs> back in the olden days with the white pages. So um, my father and I are the only people in the white pages with my last name. We're the only people in Canada with my last name. And I was okay. like, I don't want people to know who I am. So in Kensington, there's a you band. You don't want them calling your dad. Well, yeah. I don't want them calling my dad. I used to get calls from my dad because of the white pages <laughs> right, all the right. time, right? So um, in Kensington, there's an old school punk band called Bunch of mm, Goofs, right? Effing Goofs. And everyone that has ever belonged to this band since 1975 or 76 or whatever, their last name is Goof. And I was like, you know what? I'll just do the same thing. My store's name is Rotorama, so I'll just go with Abby Roach and that, that will be my name. That's really right? cool. I like it's that. Such a yeah. story. You've been in this business for so long. i got to ask, have you invested in any of these pot stocks? I don't own one stock of anything. Why not? Because I'm lazy and, <laughs> and it's a scary place to be. The market no, freaks me it's out. It's interesting because back in the day, I, I remember uh, before the election, um, when the, when Colorado was going to originally legalize that election, I remember watching, uh, I watch a lot of stock news. I, I love business news. I, I watch you a lot. Anyways, and uh, yeah, and they said, oh, you should buy pot stocks because Dada, Colorado, Alaska, they're going to legalize. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's a great idea. And I went online and I, tr- I downloaded the app and I was like, I'm going to set myself up with like a TD investment thing. And then it, it just, it took too many steps. And then I, I got hot and I missed it and <laughs> and then I just I I tried I failed yeah. and now on. and now I just and now I know the, the inside scoop on everything and I just have opted to just make real money I remember talking to a banker about a year and a half ago, yeah. two years ago and he says Richard there is um, like a two-week wait to get a TD Investing account. Usually they'd set it up instantly. So yeah. there's a two-week wait yeah. because I have people coming into the bank that's never invested before that says, set I say, me up. I want to I buy set me up. Yeah. I want to buy cannabis. So, Richie, did you invest? I did. You did? Yeah. And how'd that go for you? I don't it, need specifics. No, it went good. I mean, and I'm, I'm almost <laughs> out of it. I, the easy money has yeah. been made now. It's over, right? Uh, was it nerve-wracking, though? Because, again, no. there's, there's no, I, you were fine. I knew, I knew there was so much potential there, How come right? no one tapped me on the shoulder and said, <laughs> Shana, get in. Well, yeah. people will always spend money on drugs. You might yeah. not have enough sure. to make the rent for some That's people. That's one thing you know. <laughs> but you know people yes. are going to find some money. Sex, right. drugs, and rock and roll are okay. always going to sell. Invest. It's true. However, but the LPs are tanking right now. I mean, the stocks have dropped. So, so here's a lot of people thing. are feeling nervous right now. Because the, there's, the focus is on how much are we, going, we making now that it's legal. The focus is on what are these companies doing? You know, yeah. Afria, one of the biggest companies, mm-hmm. they started to look into them. Uh, company they bought, a company they bought in Mexico was, was just a... Just a shack, and they spent millions on it. So there's renewed scrutiny on on these companies. Now. The the freest situation is an interesting situation. Um, they the, deny it. The company uh, denies. Well, you know, I don't know too much about it. I just know that the licenses that they acquired are real licenses. Yeah. Like they actually exist. So it's not the actual operations that they were paying for. It was the actual license, right? right. And developing those licenses. But you know, investment in itself is a it's a gamble, right? Sure. And sometimes it costs money to play. 
I know of other companies investing ridiculous amounts of money into into licensing and other companies. And you know, I, I think if everybody started to really look closely at what was happening, they'd realize that it's an overinflated game all across the board. Good so, point. So one, it's interesting that Canada has kind of led the way in this regard. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Canadian cannabis companies are the biggest in the world. That's kind of neat, isn't it? Well, we're, well, we're the second part. federal ever country to yeah. legalize. And yeah. Uruguay is such a tiny little country, right? Yeah. And it's interesting because now in Uruguay, what's happening is that the the man who um, who owns sort of the biggest cannabis company is running to be uh, the leader of the country. <laughs> so he's essentially taking over the country. Have you thought about running for office? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and then she got high. Yeah, and then I got high. No, um, you know, I re- what I really enjoy. Should there be a cannabis party? Do you think there is one? There marijuana is one? party. It's existed okay. for years. Uh, and oh, then the libertarians. That's new party. to me. Yeah, yeah. And then the libertarians are the uh, always uh, in favor. I really enjoy my government sort of relations work, and I think I always say after I retire, save me an office at a lobby firm somewhere, and I'm happy to do that. And uh, I guess so, there is the cannabis lobby. I'm sure, right? There's probably oh, a yeah, big. Oh uh, yeah, well, and I've been doing it on my own independently with a small group of, uh, of people for many, many years. You know, the reason that we even have private retail today is because we literally have spent the last five years like living in Queens Park and, and sitting with people and talking to people and explaining the market to them, right? Um, you know, I, when Patrick Brown was leader, we went and had meetings with Patrick Brown, uh, yeah. all his assistants. Like, uh, you know, we have close ties with, uh, with the PC party because they were in opposition. So, we, you know, the liberals didn't want to talk to us. So I've spent the last five years talking to PCs and uh, right so and but I you know I really enjoy politics and I enjoy um, I enjoy talking to politicians and I enjoy being a part of the of, of fixing the system uh, and not just for cannabis mm-hmm. so who knows when I uh, you know when I sell out my uh, my company that's that's my next move in life um, I do want to talk a bit about the business of cannabis stats Canada out with some numbers just uh, looking at the first two months of legalization and so well, actually, over the last year, they're saying that um, jobs in Canada, weed-related jobs in Canada are up 266% mm-hmm. from November of last year. Of course, that's not surprising. We're expecting that. They pay well, though, don't they, They pay Jana? well. And so yes. that's, uh, so the jobs, they're saying, stats can, $29.58 an hour on average for cannabis jobs, jobs in the cannabis yeah. industry. And that's compared to the national average of $27 an hour. So it's a really good place yeah. to, to sort of move into right now. Now, if you're looking for work yeah. or, you know, you want to make a bit more money. And, and one thing I found interesting, the majority of employees, though, the majority of employees, a whopping 79% are men. Mm-hmm. So in this world of cannabis, is it a man's world right now? It's always, uh, James Brown would say, it's always a man's world, you know? <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's funny. I've been in this game for 20 years. And um, it, my new board of directors, uh, you know, I'm the only woman. I have a lot of uh, management, executive management women that are coming on board. And there's a lot of women that work in my actual stores. And uh, somebody said to me, they were like, oh, you're bored. You're the only woman out of five or whatever. And I said, but look at my board. We have like a, a Latin guy. We have a Greek guy. We have two Jews, you know, <laughs> we have a, we have like a, I call him a gonzo. He's like, nobody knows what he is. Right. We're like, we're like 
like the United Nations. And I myself <laughs> represent, you know, I'm a, I always say, you know, when I started, I was a 19 year old disabled Jewish woman with dreads. Like being a woman was like the least of my problems. Being right. 19 was my biggest problem. Who wants to do business with a 19 year old? So I've technically been 30 for the last 20 years because now that I'm 40, I pretend I'm 30. When I was 20, I had to pretend that, that I'm you were 30. 30. Right. So I've been 30 for like 20 years. What a magical thing. Um, but is, so, is the work cannabis world more accepting in, in that regard? You know, you know what it is. So the legal cannabis world comes from Bay Street, right? Bay Street is very male dominated. So until we move away from Bay Street owning cannabis and move into the real world, that's the way it's yeah, going to be. Bay Street owns cannabis. That's going to be that's that's it. That's I mean, it. It's a right? big it's a big that's business now. Well, we shot a point out. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. But you know, and and for women, you know, another piece of advice that I always say to women is like nobody does business with their with their like their sexual parts. You know what I mean? Like nobody does that, right. right? You do business with your brain. And if you can if you can sit in a room full of men and be taken just as seriously as a man because of your ideas and your business mindedness, then you'll do very well, right? Um, you don't need to to look a certain way or you know, like you just have to be business minded. That's what business is about. In the end, money doesn't care what you look like or, or what size bra you have. Money just wants to be made and keep moving forward. So, you know, for me, I, I've never seen myself as a, as a woman in cannabis. You know, I, I actually now um, have made it a point to turn down every every panel that is a woman's panel. I stopped doing them. I, people call me and I say, well, you can put me on a business panel. You can put me on a, you know, on a marketing panel, on a branding panel, whatever you want. Just don't put me on a, on a woman's panel because I'm so much more than that. And I think my partners really appreciate the fact that I really understand this business and I, and I, I really understand what I'm doing so I don't think they have ever felt that these four men that I work with look at me as a woman you know so that's that's a good place to be in guys good chat thanks so much for uh for hanging out thanks for having me I, it's so fun being on the podcast thanks Shauna a special thanks to Abby Roach for inviting us in and to Richard Southern for his knowledge and wit on the subject. Always good banter with this guy. And a big shout out to my producer, Ryan Clark, for making the legal podcast possible and for making it sound great. He's also working on a couple other shows right now, including Black Tea. You'll want to check him out. You can find us on FrequencyPodcastNetwork.com or on your favorite podcast app. Rate us, review us, tell a friend. You can always find me on Twitter at Shauna City News. That's Shauna with a U. Till we meet again, thanks for hanging out.